This is a diet of Brussels. What have we learned from Theresa May's speech? So I'm speaking uh, a couple of hours after Theresa May's made her big uh, Brexit speech at uh, London uh, on the 17th of January. We're now hearing, uh, pretty much as I'm doing this, that uh, this will be the last uh, pronouncement from the government before notification, uh, which is still due to be happening at the end of March. And so this constitutes the plan. Now, uh, I scepticism in my voice probably reflects the fact that I'm not entirely clear what the plan is. But uh, let's, let's try and unpack this. Let's think a little bit about the context of this speech, first of all. It's clear that this is not something that Theresa May was required to do, forced to do. She's uh, floated the uh, uh, intention of setting out some ideas early in the new year. And she's been doing that since uh, uh, the end of uh, last uh, year as we moved into the uh, kind of deep water of the High Court case and Supreme Court uh, referral. But nobody had particularly required her to make this statement. Uh, There was nothing that suggested that there was a particular need. And certainly uh, over the previous months, one of the big questions has been what does uh, uh, Theresa May actually want to try and uh, achieve? And I think here we've seen an attempt to try and formulate an answer uh, with limited... uh, degrees of success let's put it that way so some ideas that come out of this firstly i think the big thing for me is that we still don't have a coherent plan in place uh, for uh, brexit a large part of theresa may's uh, speech was about setting out an idea of what the future would look like. Now, uh, at one level, I appreciate that I should be deeply thankful because uh, I've spent ages, uh, years, complaining that politicians haven't had a conversation about what we want the UK to look like uh, because only then can we decide how do we get there and what do we do and what decisions should we make now. However, uh, the vision that she sets out is... Uh, motherhood and apple pie in many ways that it is uh, we want the UK to be prosperous we want it to be successful we want it to be open we want it to be uh, good things we don't want people to be sad we want people to be happy Uh, we didn't quite get to that level but we didn't get all that far from uh, that kind of formulation uh, particularly in the opening uh, section of her speech Now, uh, it's uh, something that I think uh, really then runs through into the rest of the uh, speech that she set out, where she had these 12 principles, these 12 points that she wanted to establish, um, which were not uh, of the same order, um, that uh, they uh, don't particularly... Uh, set out a, a plan or a direction uh, uh, as we go along. Now, uh, 
the simple fact that there are 12 principles suggests that there is not really a focus here, that there is rather a set of ideas, uh, notions that will be pursued and achieved to varying degrees of success. To make the most obvious uh, example uh, of the kind of tensions that these principles contain, uh, she talks about the need to limit immigration, uh, about the need to uh, restrict uh, the power of the EU uh, to determine who the UK makes uh, trade deals with. But then, in the same speech, she also uh, talks about the benefits of free trade, the positive sum nature of agreements that emerge. That it's not that my loss, uh, that your gain requires uh, my loss, but rather we can both gain from it. And also then talking about the need to maintain the UK's role in leading in uh, cooperation in lots of different areas about the need to uh, ensure the free exchange of ideas and in some cases of people in particular sectors. Uh, that all of those things don't really sit together very uh, comfortably in terms of uh, what it is that might be possible. And this really, I think, reflects a second key point that I'm I'm taking from Theresa May's speech, which is that she not only uh, is not uh, in control of the process of Brexit, but she is aware that she is not in control of the process of Brexit. The elephant in the room of this uh, speech was the Supreme Court ruling, uh, which is due potentially as soon as next week, on the process of whether Parliament needs to be involved in approving uh, the decision of the referendum before there is notification. Now, at the moment, the, all the indications are that the uh, government will lose that case and that a bill will have to go through Parliament. So uh, all of this is somewhat... Uh, beholden to uh, something that is uh, out of uh, Theresa May's hands, that she is going to be bound by the Supreme Court and she cannot not follow its ruling. So even though uh, there was a a concession uh, in the granting of uh, a final vote to Parliament on the final deal, I have to recognise that that is a fairly limited concession because Parliament will not be in a position... Uh, to amend the deal or simply say yes we like it or no we don't like it in which case uh, the UK presumably uh, exits with no deal at all which is uh, uh, almost certainly uh, a worse deal than uh, the, the package that is agreed and put on the table. So uh, there's a limited concession whether Parliament will accept that is hard to tell, but the decision of uh, May not to go to Parliament to tell Parliament uh, about her plans uh, this afternoon, uh, instead, instead of sending David Davis, I think is a reflection that she still doesn't see Parliament as an uh, important part of this process. It will uh, be uh, accommodated as much as it is uh, required to, but as little as possible. But there's another tension here which is that uh, uh, I think in the speech 
you saw several places a, a real sense that it's not just what the UK wants that matters, it's also what the 27 uh, other member states are prepared to offer. So uh, May, I think, has always been aware of this. It's one of the reasons why she's always been unwilling to set out objectives or uh, specifics, because uh, she sets up hostages to fortune, uh, much in the manner of her predecessor, who uh, over-promised and under-delivered. Now, she wants to under-promise and over-deliver, but uh, it tends to make it very hard, then, to provide something that has real meat. But... Then paradoxically, there's a third consequence, uh, uh, a message that we can take from the uh, the speech uh, today, which is that the language that Theresa May uses is very uh, determined. It is the language of her party. It is the language of her party's backers, most uh, clearly uh, the Daily Mail type uh, Daily Express type of rhetoric that Brexit, uh, and pardon me for saying this, has to mean Brexit, which she didn't say today, uh, that it has to be meaningful, clean, uh, we have to break, there can't be half meshes, half in, half out. Now, uh, that is a uh, real reflection, I think, of the drivers of what is happening here. That uh, the uh, process uh, is going to be one in which Theresa May is concerned primarily about managing her own party so that they don't chuck her out, that uh, it's secondly about uh, setting up the Tories for government uh, and for the rest of the vision and plan that Theresa May has for the UK in the longer term by outmanoeuvring UKIP and uh, Labour one is harder to outmaneuver than the other these days. Um, and it's not really about uh, a national debate, which is ironic because she used exactly that kind of language at the end of her speech, saying that uh, people who didn't get behind this effort were in some way uh, betraying the decision of the referendum, that uh, all 65 million people in the UK were behind this endeavour. Now, uh, my Twitter stream probably looked uh, like some of your Twitter streams, and I have a lot of people I follow, apparently, who really didn't feel that that was an accurate reflection of how they felt. So uh, she's trying to talk tough, but uh, in the substance of what there is of this speech, there's actually not much... uh, uh, that really has come through and uh, where you have seen ideas and suggestions that you've got this paradoxical effect which is that uh, you've got something that is quite specific of saying we don't want to be part of a common external tariff uh, because we want to be free to set uh, our own tariff arrangements we want to be able to set our own schedules at the WTO specific technical things but then also saying well it might be possible to remain part of a customs union. We want to have customs-free access to the European market. Um, And uh, she phrased it as, uh, uh, I'm keeping an open mind on this, which uh, I took very much as, I don't really know whether this is uh, 
practically possible, but maybe someone will work out how to do it. Um, there seems to be uh, uh, two levels going on here. That the talking tough, and I think this has always been the case with Theresa May, isn't necessarily matched by the substance of what goes on. The danger that Theresa May faces is that in talking tough and then acting uh, less tough, she will find that uh, at some point uh, chickens will come home to roost uh, for her, that people might be surprised at what is finally agreed, question it, uh, and then for her to say, well, I did actually say this and you misunderstood, is not a good uh, political look uh, to be wary. Ultimately, I think the the thing that comes through uh, in all of this is uh, a sense that the UK still hasn't really rationalised a position on Brexit and what it wants to do. That as with many other political figures and uh, commentators, Theresa May spent much of this speech uh, talking about uh, what Brexit means. You know, why did people vote the way they do? Um, she portrayed a set of choices uh, about change, about globalism, that uh, some people will recognise as their motivations, but uh, which a lot of people won't. Now, uh, again, this is a, a staple of political life, is that you things happen and then you explain why they happened and uh, how that justifies your position on whatever it is you want to achieve. Uh, the question is, is how much can Theresa May ride the, uh, the beast that is Brexit? Is she actually able to... Uh, impose her frame, her dialogue and her narrative on this process. On the basis of what we've heard today, you've got to have some doubts and some queries about this because uh, she really hasn't set out a forceful uh, agenda. Instead, what she seems to have done is ended up uh, closing down some options uh, closing down some specifics which might, further down the line in negotiations, prove useful for her to have had. So the question is, Is will people remember the specifics? If they do, will they hold that uh, against her? And thirdly, uh, uh, is that something that will have political consequences for her and for others? The speech really highlights the way in which this process is structured towards uh, either having a highly compliant departing member state or to that member state leaving in a very disorderly fashion. Unless the UK uh, uh, is very acquiescent with what whatever the EU presents to it, which on the basis of everything we have seen, looks highly unlikely, then there are many, many pitfalls along the way of Article 50 that can uh, effectively result in a uh, lack of a deal at the end of two years and not really much incentive to um, pursue uh, longer negotiations. This 
is something that will clearly develop. One of the things I think that's going to be interesting is the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, and when we have that, then we'll have more of a sense about the process of leading to notification. That matters not so much because of Parliament's involvement in approving that process, because I think there's not really any uh, significant doubt that they will approve a piece of legislation. Rather, it's what price they will manage to extract in terms of scrutiny and involvement in the process. If they're able to open up the negotiations to uh, regular briefings and potentially involvement, then that potentially changes the boundaries of the equation. At this stage, though, we simply don't know what uh, will come of that. Uh, and we don't know quite what uh, is going to come of uh, this speech. However, we will find out in the days and weeks to come, and I will report back to you as we hear any more.